Good morning. Good to see you today. You know, I had several people tell me this week with the Bible reading that it's a little difficult for them with all the uh, instructions on building the tabernacle and all this kind of thing. And, and uh, so all I can say is it's going to get worse. Tomorrow's Leviticus, and so you're going to have more of those, more of those types of verses. Uh, so in a word of encouragement for that, um, if you're not getting spiritually nourished by reading those verses, uh, you can always read other parts of the Bible in addition to the Bible reading plan, right? Right? You can always read more, right? So it's not a sin to read your Bible more. Well, last summer I flew to Los Angeles for the annual meeting of the Southern Baptist Convention, and I was able to catch direct flight from Charleston to L.A., which is pretty cool. And looking out the window from about West Texas and uh, Arizona and New Mexico for about 1,000 miles, uh, you fly over pretty much uninhabited land for a long, long time, mountains, desert, and everything like that. And as I was flying over this region, I kept thinking how amazing it was that God had made all this land, all this land, and hardly anyone lived there. And when you're in the air, 35,000 feet looking down, you get a different perspective of the glory of God through creation than you can't get just by standing on the ground. You appreciate, you can appreciate and experience God's vastness, God's glory in a unique way. Well, today's subject is that of the glory of God. This is a phrase that is used frequently by all sorts of Christians, all types of people. But oftentimes, they can mean different things to different people. This phrase, the glory of God. Uh, we're told to give God glory in all that we do. Uh, we pray and we seek the glory of God. We sing about the glory of God. We talk about experiencing the glory of God. But what does that really mean? That's what we're looking at today as we look in Exodus chapter 40. Verse 34. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting because the cloud settled on it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And throughout all their journeys, whenever the cloud was taken up from over the tabernacle, the people of Israel would set out. If the cloud was not taken up, then they did not set out to the day that it was taken up. For the cloud of the Lord was on the tabernacle by day, and fire was in it by night, in the sight of all the house of Israel throughout all their journeys. Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for your word. As we look at this passage of scripture today, that you would show us what it means when we talk about your glory how we respond to your glory, how do we seek your glory, all these things, Lord, show us today. Lord, I, I pray that my words reflect your heart. Lord, I pray that you fill me with your spirit today in preaching, and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Give us three ways today we can experience a taste of the glory of God while on earth. A taste of the glory of God. Three ways. First, we experience the glory of God through worship. Now, not the full glory of God. We'll talk about that in a second. But we, we get, a, we get a, a taste of the glory of God through worshiping him by doing what we're doing right now. Now, as we go through the Bible reading plan, uh, today's passage takes place in the last section of Exodus. 
And the Israelites and the, uh, were slaves to the Egyptian, Egyptians for over 400 years. Hard to believe, a long time. God heard their cry. They decided to use Moses. He decided to use Moses, an 80-year-old man who lived in a foreign land, to come back to Egypt where he spent his first 40 years of his life and then lead his people out of slavery and into the promised land. Even though he didn't grow up with his people, they were his people and lead them into the promised land. Moses reluctantly obeys God. And through many miracles and plagues, Moses leads the Egyptians into the promised land. And because of the movie, The Ten Commandments, it comes out every Easter, right? Uh, many people are familiar with this story just by the movie, which for the most part is very accurate. And this brings us to the primary way that we experience God's glory, and that is through worship. Because the rest of the book includes instructions for worship, which they will need as they traverse through the wilderness. So the instructions for the tent of meeting and the building of the tabernacle, all this is preparing them for how they will worship in the wilderness. So verse 34 tells us, right after the tabernacle was completed, that the cloud covered the tent of meeting and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. So in just one verse, we are immediately hit with some terms that we need to define. First, if you read this and cold, you would think, well, what was the tent of meeting? Well, the tent of meeting was the place where God would meet with the Israelites, literally. That's, and Moses called it that. He named it the tent of meeting. It was a temporary meeting place before construction of the tabernacle was completed. Look at Exodus 33. Verse 7 says, Now Moses used to take the tent and pitch it outside the camp, far off from the camp, and he called it the tent of meeting. And everyone who sought the Lord would go out to the tent of meeting, which was outside the camp. And whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people would rise up and each would stand at his tent door and watch Moses until he had gone to the tent. When Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would descend and stand at the entrance of the tent and the Lord would speak with Moses. And when all the people saw the pillar of cloud Standing at the entrance of the tent, all the people would rise up and worship each at his tent door. Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. When Moses turned again into the camp, his assistant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, would not depart from the tent. So this is where Moses would speak to God. And the people nervous, nervously awaited his return because he was experiencing some part of God's glory as he spoke to him face to face, which was a dangerous thing to experience. Verse 34 also tells us that there was a cloud. What is the cloud? Well, Moses would speak with God face to face, and a cloud would protect the rest of the people from the glory of the Lord. So the glory of God would consume them because of his holiness and their sinfulness, if not for the protection of of the cloud. In this way, Moses made a temporary mediation between God and his people. The cloud was also a, a physical manifestation of the glory of God. It represented God's glory. And then it talks about 
in verse 34, that when this happened, the Lord filled the tabernacle. So what is the tabernacle? Well, the tabernacle was also a temporary place of worship for the Israelites, but it was a long-term temporary place of worship. It was the center of worship while they wandered through the desert all the way until King Solomon finally built the temple of God, a permanent home for God in his glory. Now, the word tabernacle means dwelling place. And the structure was extensive. As if you've read about it, you'd know. But it essentially had two main areas. It had the holy place. Then it had the holy of holies. And this is where the Ark of the Covenant was placed. And the Ark of the Covenant contained several things, but among them the physical ten commandments, the commandments of stone. And these two rooms were separated by a veil. And the purpose of the tabernacle was to provide a place where the people could worship God. And worship for Jews centered around sacrifices. That's what worship was. Worship was actually pretty bloody. It was worshiping, was sacrificing animals to atone for their sin. And the priests would sacrifice routinely in the outer court. And once a year in the Holy of Holies where the presence of God dwelt, where the glory of God dwelt, a high priest would enter God's presence and make a sacrifice of atonement. And verse 35 tells us this. And Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting because the cloud settled on it and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And I was listening to a worship song the other day where the lyrics were, were calling for the Lord to kind of fill the worship area, right? As you're singing, fill the worship area. And, and it really was calling for the glory of the Lord to come down. The glory of the Lord to come down. And, you know, a lot of lyrics and a lot of teaching will, will draw on this Old Testament language of glory and, and call for God's glory to show up. But, you know, language matters and words matter and theology matters. And I think what they really mean is they really are talking about for the Holy Spirit to move in the congregation. Because if the glory of God showed up today and came down, we would all be incinerated. We wouldn't handle God's glory. We can't handle God's glory. Now, there's nothing wrong with asking for God to show up, but we need to be accurate what we're saying. The Holy Spirit filling the room is not the same as the glory of God coming into this place if you've been reading through Exodus and you read the rest of the Old Testament, you'll see that one cannot stand in the midst of God's glory and survive. As it appears in the Old Testament, God's glory is a physical representation of who he is, his nature, and his holiness. God allowed Moses to see the backside of his glory, and his face was completely changed, unrecognizable. Now, we experience the glory of God in worship, but not his full glory. We get a taste of who he is as the Holy Spirit fills our collective hearts. And when we sing songs and we praise him and we pray and we hear God's word preached and we respond in acts of giving or obedience, then we get a taste of the glory of God. But not until we are in heaven completely sinless, acquitted by the blood of the Lamb, will we feel the full glory of God. And that'll be a wonderful, incredible worship experience because even though we feel the Holy Spirit's presence and we get a taste of the glory of God in worship, it's nothing compared to the full glory of God in eternity. So we experience a taste of the glory of God through worship. That's what we miss out when we don't come. We can't experience the worship of God 
the same way in a worship service when we're not here. It's a specific type of experience. And you know what I'm talking about. So we experience the glory of God through worship. Secondly, we experience the glory of God through obedience. Through obedience. Verse 36 says this. Throughout all their journeys, whenever the cloud was taken up from over the tabernacle, the people of Israel would set out. But if the cloud was not taken up, then they did not set out to the day that it was taken up. So what we see here is the glory of God in cloud form and fire by night leading the Israelites. They constantly saw the physical representation of God's glory through their obedience. If the cloud moved, they moved. If the cloud remained, they remained. And so the cloud represented many things, protection being one of those things it represented. The cloud protected the Israelites from the outside world. Much of our own obedience to God occurs under the umbrella of protection. Look at Ephesians 6. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And then he quotes one of the commandments. He says, honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. There's literally a promised benefit for children who will obey their parents. Do you know that? There's a promised benefit in obedience, a promised protection for obedience. So it goes well for your children to obey their parents. God blesses them with protection. I can think of many ways where if my children had not listened to me or their mother, they would not be protected. Many times. Hey, don't cross the street without looking both ways. If they had failed to listen to me, who knows what would have happened. Right? They're not like a little dog that can dodge cars here and there. There's plenty of things, plenty of ways. Hey, don't touch the hot stove. Protection in obedience. Don't get the dog mad. Don't pull the dog's ears. Don't call your friend a name. Protection in obedience. It's the same way with us as adults. Look at Luke eleven twenty eight. 28. He replied, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. We're blessed when we hear God's word and we obey it. There's protection in it. Right? It might not be trendy. It might not be progressive. It might not be cool. Obedience to God's word. But that's where the blessing is. And that's where we see the glory of God. We witness, we, we, we witness some of God's glory through simple obedience. But not only did the cloud protect them, it also offered guidance. It offered guidance. Look at 1 Chronicles 10, talking about King Saul. Look what it says here about King Saul. So Saul died for his breach of faith. He broke faith with the Lord in that he did not keep the command of the Lord and also consulted a medium, that's a witch, seeking guidance. He did not seek guidance from the Lord, 
Therefore the Lord put him to death and turned the kingdom over to David, the son of Jesse. The cloud guided the Israelites during the day, took them where they should go. Now, I guess they could have looked for another cloud or another guidance marker, but it would not lead them to God's glory. Just like Saul went to another person, another system for guidance, he died for it ultimately when he wouldn't keep his eye on the Lord, wouldn't keep his eye on the cloud, wouldn't keep his eye on the glory of God. So we see this this cloud giving them guidance in our obedience. Look at Isaiah 30. Verse 20, and though the Lord give you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, yet your teacher, that being Jesus, will not hide himself anymore, but your eyes shall see your teacher, this prophecy says, and your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. When you turn to the right or when you turn to the left, it's saying that you will one day have a teacher. Jesus, the spirit of Jesus in our lives. God's word, Jesus' words, that will tell us, this is the way, walk in it. When you go to the right, he'll say, this is the way. When you go to the left, this is the way. Just like the Israelites had that pillar of cloud by day, pillar of fire by night, leading them so God's word leads us today. It leads us, and there is blessing, there is protection. We see the glory of God through obedience. You, many of y'all know the NFL Hall of Fame quarterback Roger Staubach led the Dallas Cowboys to Super Bowl victory. This is the Super Bowl today. This is a good time for Super Bowl illustration. A Super Bowl victory back, way back in 1971. And back then, quarterbacks called their own plays. Now, not many of them do it now, unless maybe you're Tom Brady or someone like that. But, but, but back then, most of the quarterbacks called their own plays, but Staubach didn't. Hall of Fame coach Tom Landry was one of the first coaches to start calling plays because he was an offensive genius. And he told Stallback when to pass. He told him when to run. And only in emergency situations, what we call an audible, Stallback would then audible. And even though Stallback considered Coach Landry to have a genius mind when it came to strategy, he felt like he still should be running the team. I mean, I think, I believe, and I look this up, I believe he was a Heisman Trophy winning quarterback as well in college. So, so he had a decision to make playing quarterback there for the Cowboys. Would he allow his pride to ignore his coach because he knew what was best for the team? Or would he listen to the coach and trust him and run the plays? Stallback later said, I faced up to the issue of obedience. He said, once I learned to obey, there was harmony, fulfillment, and victory. Harmony, fulfillment, and victory. Isn't that what we're looking for in the Christian life? Aren't we looking for harmony? Aren't we looking for fulfillment? Aren't we looking for victory? It comes with obedience. It comes with trusting God's God, trusting the coach who's called the plays, we just run them. We don't have to invent the plays. We don't have to go outside of God's word. We just run them. And just as Roger Stallback saw the glory of a Super Bowl win, when we obey God, we see the glory of God working in our lives through his obedience. So we experience the glory of God through obedience. And finally, number three, we experience the glory of God just through living. I couldn't come up with another better word than this. 
journeying through life. I didn't know, you know, just, just every day of living. Just getting up in the morning, living and going to bed and getting up in the morning. We experience it in just our day-to-day living as believers. Verse 38. For the cloud of the Lord was on the tabernacle by day and fire by, by night. And the sight of all the house of Israel throughout all their journeys. Everywhere they went, the Lord went out before them. They saw a taste of God's glory in the form of the cloud. A taste of God's glory in the form of the fire. Just through living. And we experience this blessing of God as we go about our days. Look at Matthew 6.33. Jesus says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things you want and wish for will be added to you. Don't wish for everything else and then throw God in there. Follow the cloud. Follow the fire. Then the things you need will be added to you. Look at Colossians 3. Paul says, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. The heavenly things is what he means. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God, set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. Things that are on above. If you watch too much news, and I'm, listen, I was a journalism major. I was a journalist before God called me into to ministry. I love the news. I wrote the news. I reported what happened, and I tried to keep my opinion out of it the best I could. That's what I did. That's what a journalist is supposed to do. That's what we're trained to do. That's what I tried to do. But if you watch too much of the news, you will not be setting your mind on things above. If you're on social media too much, you're, you're down on the ground. You're down here. You're down here. You're not up there. Now, you can use those mediums to get up there, but it's challenging, and you have to be looking for it. Set your minds on the things that are above. See, when you're walking through the desert and there's a cloud in front of you and there's a fire in front of you that's where you're supposed to go you look over here and think oh gosh it's really bad over here oh gosh it's really bad over here and God says I didn't say look to the right or to the left he said I said look straight ahead follow the cloud don't worry about what's going on over here what's going on over there follow the cloud there's nothing you can do about balloons being shot down what are you going to do about it are you on the recovery crew? Nothing. Follow the cloud. Follow the fire. Look what he says. Set your minds on things that are above. He's not talking about balloons. He's talking about the heavenly things. We experience God's glory just through living. And then Philippians 4, look at Philippians 4. Look what he says. He says, not that I am speaking of being in need, Paul says, For I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. 
Somewhere in the Super Bowl tonight, there'll be a player with Philippians 4.13 written on his cleats or written on his wristband or somewhere like that. But very often, they don't quite really know what Paul's talking about when they put that on there. Paul's been in prison. He's writing this in prison. And he says, I've experienced it all. He wasn't playing for a Super Bowl championship or anything like that. He was ministering for his life. And he says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. I can be in this jail because God strengthens me. And he wasn't looking for the glory of victory. He wasn't looking for the advertisement, rights and monies and Super Bowl rings and things like that. No, 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 no. He was looking for Jesus. And he was looking that everything he did brought glory to God. And so he says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Not so that I can get, you know, a first down or catch a touchdown pass or anything like that. But that's so I can be true to my mission. True to my mission. By bringing glory to God. Through sharing Christ with all these people. Who's your one? Paul had many ones. Many ones. And his reward on this earth was imprisonment and eventually death. But even in that obedience, he saw the glory of God because he knew that the ultimate reward was to experience in heaven for eternity the unfettered glory of God, the true glory of God, the powerful glory of God. And I guarantee you, Paul and every other believer in heaven today have no regrets about following Jesus. No regrets about reading through the Bible. No regrets about making decisions that cost them things in life, but they had Jesus. No regrets about the little tiny ways they suffered on earth when you compare to heaven where there's no suffering for eternity. No regrets to any of that. Because they don't just have a cloud and they don't just have a fire. They have God himself, Jesus himself, right there for eternity, giving them that sense of harmony, giving them that sense of fulfillment, giving them that sense of eternal victory. And that is what awaits us. That is what awaits us as we seek the glory of God through our lives. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for what you've done for us in Christ Jesus. And Lord, as we close our time together today, Lord, I do thank you for the Bible that you've given us that shows us how your people were obedient and how they failed. Lord, we all have sinned and fallen short of your glory. That's why you sent us Jesus. Lord, to bring us back to you. Lord, as we close our time together today, if there's one in here that's never placed their faith in you, never trusted in you for forgiveness of their sins, and they would do so today that you would give them eternal life, forgiveness of sins, Father. Lord, as we go about today, 
Help us live joyful lives. We don't have a pillar of cloud or fire leading us. We have something better. We have your word in our hearts leading us. Lord, help us stay true to your word. Help us not look to the right or the left, but look straight ahead so we can continue to experience taste of your glory on this life which prepares us for your glory in eternity. Lord, we love you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.